Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, trade has been front and center lately between Canada and the United Kingdom, as well as with India. We'll speak with the Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Todd Lewis. Feeder cattle prices remained strong this past week. Emily Taylor, a livestock development intern at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, has all the details from the latest cattle market update from Canfax. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture. That was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon. We'll have that for you as well. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Trade has been front and center lately between Canada and the United Kingdom, as well as with India. Starting with the UK, Canada is in the middle of bilateral trade talks with them, but there is a barrier. The UK's refusal to accept Canada's food safety standards on beef and pork. Another concern is Canada announcing in July of their support of the UK into the Comprehensive Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP, despite the barriers in place. Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Todd Lewis, says there's a lot of moving parts to this issue. You know, I think from Canada's viewpoint, uh, to a point they're allowing Britain into the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, what it does is it also puts uh, other goods at risk if they're not uh, following the rules on, can- on uh, compliance with Canadian agriculture products. So, so it's, uh, you know, there will be, uh, uh, you know, different times during that trade relationship where we'll, you know, we'll put forward complaints against the, the British. And uh, if uh, they are tied into a trade agreement where uh, other countries may bring uh, sanctions against them if they don't follow the rules within the, within the framework of the agreement, uh, it may be a better leverage point for Canada. So it uh, takes time. It's uh, it's frustrating. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces in these negotiations. And uh, all we can keep doing is, uh, you know, bringing to the attention that this is an issue for Canadian producers and uh, and hope that, uh, you know, eventually we'll end up uh, through the complaint process and so on that uh, we'll get it rectified. Three Canadian cattle groups are imploring Canada to delay the UK's acceptance into the CPTPP until those trade barriers are removed. Meanwhile, with India, a trade mission led by Federal Minister of International Trade Mary Ng was set for October 9th, but was ultimately postponed last week for unclear reasons. Relations between Canada and India were already strained then, and now with India being accused of playing a role in the killing of a prominent B.C. Sikh leader, 
that relationship is likely more strained. Speaking before the allegations came to light yesterday, Lewis hopes a deal can be made when things calm down. At the end of the day, uh, we have what India wants when it comes to uh, food and food products, and uh, it's a huge market, and uh, and Canada has uh, some of the best product in the world, and uh, we hope to see it ship into India so that uh, their people can uh, have it. And uh, at the end of the day, it's a it's their very large population that uh, is hungry and needs to be fed. So we're hoping to uh, to uh, see some of these diplomatic issues, but you know either settled or put to a side and uh, get get on with a trade deal that has a balance uh, between what happens on the ground and uh, the need for uh, a good, legitimate and safe food supply that Canada can provide. Following the postponement of the trade mission to India, Saskatchewan Trade Minister Jeremy Harrison released a statement Friday, again before these latest allegations surfaced, expressing his disappointment of the announcement. Harrison further stated that Saskatchewan, which has a trade office in India, will continue to look after its interests internationally if the Trudeau government will not. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. DX94 Ag Review. Canada's five major grocery chains have agreed to help the government in its bid to stabilize soaring prices following talks to address an issue that is hurting the ruling Liberals. Innovation Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne made the announcement after two hours of what he said were difficult discussions with the chains. Champagne, who summoned the executives to Ottawa, reiterated a threat that the government could impose new taxes if the chains do not come up with a plan to help address budget-busting price increases. Champagne says the government wants to see concrete actions from the retailers by Thanksgiving. However, he says any such actions must not negatively impact small suppliers or the price that farmers receive for their products. With Manitobans heading to the polls on October 3rd, Dougald Lamont and the Liberals are hoping to improve on the three seats the party won in 2019. A debt relief tool is part of the Liberal plan which will support farmers. This tool would provide an opportunity for farmers and business owners to meet with their leaders. They say they will create a new debt compromise board which will provide Manitoba businesses and farmers a form where they can meet with their lender to find ways to restructure debts so they keep farmers on the farm and businesses up and running. The Liberals also promise to include farmers in their climate change initiatives. The party commits to supporting farmers for their good land stewardship. Fund traders have been busy liquidating long positions and putting on new bearish canola bets in early September. The net managed money long position in the ice futures market dropped sharply during the weekend and last Tuesday, according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of last Tuesday, the net managed money long position in canola futures came in at 2,418 contracts, a decrease of about 16,000 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market was up by nearly 6,000 contracts from the previous week, at 292,132 contracts. 
At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 67,475 contracts in soybeans, down by about 9,000 from the previous week. Ukraine is filing a complaint at the World Trade Organization against Hungary, Poland and Slovakia after they banned grain and other food products coming from the war-torn country. The move announced today by the Ukrainian Prime Minister lays bare a widening rift with the three European Union members. The bloc has been a pivotal backer of Kyiv as it works to fight off Russia's invasion. In a break with the wider EU, Poland, Hungary and Slovakia have announced bans on grain and other food from Ukraine, a major agricultural supplier to parts of the world where people are going hungry. Farmers in Eastern Europe say the imports hurt growers by lowering local prices. U.S.-based commodities trader Cargill has agreed to sell its stake in a Russian grain terminal to Russia's Delo Group. It says the sale was contingent on Russian government approval. A company spokesperson declined to give financial details of the deal. A representative for Delo, a transport and logistics group, says the Russian government's Foreign Investment Commission was reviewing the deal and this was expected to take no more than a month. Many Western companies have pulled out of Russia since its February 2022 invasion of Ukraine, often taking heavy losses on the sale of their local businesses. The Saskatchewan Barley Development Commission will be holding a director election this fall. Four candidates are in the running for three positions on the producer-elected Sask Barley Board. The nominees in alphabetical order are Chad Ferguson of Nakam, Gord Mollenbeck of Engelfeld, Matt Enns from Rosthern, and Thomas Sunderland of Quill Lake. Enns is seeking re-election to a second term, while Ferguson, Mollenbeck, and Sunderland are all first-time candidates. Voting packages will be mailed to registered barley growers next month. Candidate biographies are on the Sask Barley website right now. And be sure to listen to the latest Sask Ag Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny but smoky and 20 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Feeder cattle prices remained strong this past week. Emily Taylor, a livestock development intern at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, has the details from the latest cattle market update from Canfax. Feeder steer prices ranged from $486.81 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category down to $311.38 per hundredweight for the 900 plus weight category. The largest price increase was seen in the 500 to 600 pound weight category, with prices improving $20.83 per hundredweight over the previous week. The largest price decline was seen in the 900 plus weight category, with an average price decline of $3.12 per hundredweight. Average weekly prices for Saskatchewan's feeder heifers ranged from $437.83 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category 
to $298.88 per hundred weight for the 800 plus weight category. The largest price increase was seen in the 300 to 400 pound weight category this week with prices improving $56.33 per hundred weight. The smallest week over week increase was in the 800 plus pound heifers, which rose an average of $2.38 per hundred weight. A few factors affected the feeder cattle markets. Feed grain prices have slightly declined from last week, and 2024 live cattle contracts are continuing to see new highs. Feedlot margins are positive, and cattle are being moved into feedlots earlier as a result of the dry conditions this summer. Taylor says the number of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold at auction saw a huge jump from the previous week. Canfax reported 11,292 head sold over the week ending September 15th compared to the 4,655 head marketed the previous week. And regarding market-ready cattle... Alberta fed steers averaged $233.19 per hundredweight for the week ending September 15th, which is up $1 from last week's price of $232.19 per hundredweight. Emily Taylor is a livestock development intern at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, providing this week's cattle market update from Canfax. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 185.67 today. That's down 65. December live cattle closed at 190.47, down 52. October feeder cattle closed at 259.35, down 160. November feeder cattle closed at 265.02, down 40. October lean hogs closed at 84.85, up 160. December lean hogs closed at 76.25, up 182. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. The market was mostly about the USDA WASDA report, and in it, the 23-24 global wheat production was forecast to drop as crops were trimmed by USDA in several key exporting countries. Of the top 10 exporters, year-on-year crop reductions were forecast in the EU, Russia, Canada, Australia, Kazakhstan, and in Brazil. With tightening supplies in these major exporting aid nations, global trade is now forecast down 6 million tons from last year, but it is still the second highest on record. Meanwhile, global wheat, global wheat consumption is forecast at a record 23-24, in record in 23-24, exceeding global production. Combined ending stocks for the top 10 weeks exporters are forecast at the lowest level since 2012-13. In our view, the WASDA report was constructive for wheat, but we should also mention that exports here to date have been disappointing and some will question the USDA's export forecast as being too high. In terms of cash trades last week, well, China is now thought to have bought five to ten cargoes of wheat for November through March shipment from France. And we did not have this information earlier. South Korea purchased about 55,000 tons of feed wheat from optional origins in an international tender at an estimated 269.50 CNF. 
and the Iranian state agency is believed to have bought 240,000 tons of milling wheat, likely to be sourced from Russia, at 292 euros per ton, up to 323 euros per ton. Japan bought a total of 118,000 tons of food quality wheat from the US, Canada and Australia in their regular tender last week. And US export sales at 438,000 were in the middle of trade expectations. And the gap on last year of 19% is slowly closing in terms of sales volume. We should mention here that there is an important Algerian tender. As a reminder, the last Algerian tender at the end of July saw them buy 600,000 tons of wheat at 276 a ton CNF for October shipment from Russia. Regardless of where final prices end up, it seems clear that Black Sea offers are most likely going to get the business at the expense of France. French wheat is 10 to $20 more expensive at the moment. So now following are the comments on the markets by major wheat origin. And we are starting with Canada. Well, spring wheat is about 80% harvested by now in Saskatchewan. Alberta wheat should be about 60% done, although we have no firm data on that. In the latest production report, StatScan put Canadian all wheat production at 29.8 million tons, and that compares to the Worcester report last Tuesday to at 3 million, 30 million tons. Last year, StatScan had wheat output at 34.3 million tons. Spring wheat for this year was forecast at 22.6 million, which is a significant 536,000 tons higher than in their first StatScan report a couple of weeks ago. And Durham was about 200,000 tons lower than reported earlier. In the Worcester report, for the U.S. balance sheet, they made a shift of 10 million bushel of hard red winter exports to hard red spring. And the Canadian export pace for wheat seems to be holding up so far. We shipped 341,000 tons last week. We tend to think that exporters are spending more time and effort on marketing wheat because canola, the canola export market is not as lively as it has been in previous years. Moving on to Durham. Well, Saskatchewan Durham is about 90% harvested um, and we would say 60 to 70% in Alberta. Saskatchewan gave some quality breakdowns and we had 32% of Saskatchewan Durham in 1CW, 46%, 2CW, and 22%, 3CW. This would put this year's Saskatchewan quality ahead of last year's in that 78% were in the number one and two category versus 61% on average. However, independently, we have also been hearing about some problems with test weight. In the U.S., farmers are making progress with 88% of the crop now harvested in Montana and 68% in North Dakota. U.S. producers are reporting average yields and protein. Regarding production volume, the StatScan model-based production forecast last week pegged Durham at 4.06 million tons. That was another 200,000 tons lower than the earlier estimate. It's quite close to our own production estimate and doesn't really change our outlook. If you add in last week's carrying stocks, this would give Canada a Durham supply of around 4.4 million tons compared to 6 million last year. 
We think it means that exports will have to be rationed to about 3.3 million from 5.12 in the previous crop year. Durham exports for week 6 were modest at 26,000 tons for year-to-day total of 223,000. Actually, that's slightly ahead of last year's. Producer deliveries into the handling system are running 10% behind last year's, which makes sense given the smaller crop. We still think there's a decent chance for prices to improve once the harvest pressure from Turkey and Black Sea exporters passes and when additional good quality durum is needed in the EU. Moving to the US, well, we already highlighted some of the changes to the global wheat balance sheet earlier. Um, there were also no major changes to the US balance sheet. North American growers remained stubborn sellers in a very light trade. Due to higher cost and inflation, North American margins are poor. US export sales last week at 438,000 were in the middle of trade expectations and the gap on last year of 19% is slowly narrowing. In Australia, the country looks increasingly dry. And regarding Argentine wheat, there's still debate about the crop with conditions in some areas improving but much of the country remaining in drought conditions. Buenos Aires Grain Exchange left the Argentine crop at 16.5 million tons, which is in line with the USDA number, despite a sharp jump in ratings from 18% to 24%, good to excellent. In the European Union, the EU officially lifted its ban on Ukrainian imports with some member states, i.e. Romania and Bulgaria, agreeing to adhere to EU rules, whilst Hungary, Slovakia and Poland remain defiant. The Ukraine is reacting by saying that it will take Poland, Hungary and Slovakia to the WTO, following the decision to maintain the the ban on Ukraine imports. The Ukrainian Danube shipping company, DSC, has asked the port of Constanta to allow ship-to-ship transfers, and that would double its barge export capacity, which is currently running at around 700,000 tons per month. Otherwise, the European Commission reported that 5.8 million tons have been shipped from the EU to non-EU destinations year-to-date, which is down from 8 million tons last year. In the Black Sea, early updates from contacts in the Black Sea put more substance to the possibility that the Ukraine is close to shipping corn to China again from its main ports. And Ukraine's agriculture minister reported 5.4 million tons of grains have been shipped for the season through to the middle of September, and that is 7.5% behind last year's pace. Otherwise, Russia remains the cheapest wheat in the markets, and growers there are still at a satisfactory US 210 FOB and will likely continue to sell aggressively at that. So how would we summarize the week? Well, again, we think the Wasta report was constructive for wheat, but exports here to date are disappointing and the USDA export forecast might be too high. Nevertheless, we think wheat might be at a tipping point Over much of the summer, consumers have taken advantage of declining spot prices to lower their buying average. But seasonal upswings from this point in the year are typical, 
And while consumers seem to be generally well covered for the fall positions in October, November, December, they're still mostly open for 2024 New Year forward. Russia is still by far the cheapest source of wheat, but does not offer that far out. So consumers will have to choose to stay open and uncovered or else to cover from more expensive origins. We think that's the situation for now and we would not suggest additional sales at this time. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up right after these messages. Commodities update. Canola futures closed down across the board again today. November canola closed at 734.30, down $7.70. January canola closed at 743.60, down $7.10. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 779 and three quarters. That's up two and a quarter cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 731 per bushel, down four cents. December Chicago wheat closed at 584 per bushel, down seven and a quarter cents. December corn closed at 476 and a quarter, up four and three quarters of a cent. November soybeans closed at 1315 and a half, that's down one and a quarter cents. December oats closed at 434 and three quarters down 19 and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. A new report from a group called Children First Canada outlines some of the challenges that kids are facing. There's the usual stuff like bullying, but there are other issues like poor mental health and poverty. The report also shows a growing concern about food insecurity. Sarah Austin is the founder and CEO of Children First Canada. Although food insecurity is a complex issue, she did offer one solution. Now, one of the um, evidence-based measures that we know will measurably improve children's lives and reduce food insecurity is a national school food program. As I mentioned, you know, Canada is the only G7 country that doesn't have such a program. In Budget 2022, the government pledged to develop a national policy on this issue, and yet in Budget 2023, there was simply no funding allocated to this. This is an urgent issue where we have 1.4 million children going hungry every day. Uh, these are, you know, these are more than statistics. These are real children who are hungry and needing nutritious food. A national school food program would go a long way towards making this life better for children. Now, we've seen that when the government and civil society and uh, you know, parents uh, work together to find solutions like childcare. Uh, that solutions are available. You know, will take a similar level of cooperation to roll out a program like this with the federal and provincial governments and private sector and and civil society organizations making investments to provide this nutritious food for children. Uh, but we know it will go a long way towards you know, ensuring that kids have the resources they need to not only survive but thrive. That's Sarah Austin with Children First Canada. It's coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, 
Broadview Mooseman Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with areas of smoke. Winds northwest at 15 to 30, gusting over 40 at times, and a high of 21 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of 7. Tomorrow, mainly sunny. Winds northwest at 15 to 25, a high of 21, an overnight low of 5. For Thursday, sunny. Winds east-southeast at 15 to 25, a high of 21. For Friday, sunny, a high of 22. Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 21. In the Paw, it's 17 degrees. Swan River and Show Lake Russell are at 21. Dauphin, 22. Brandon, 24. Roblin, 20. Regina and Saskatoon are reporting in at 13 degrees. Hudson Bay, 18. Broadview Mooseman, 21. Indian Head, 15. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, 14. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny but smoky sky, a northwest wind at 18 kilometers an hour. 50% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 20 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.